My name is Rick Renner, and today I'm in Capernaum, which was always known as the city of Jesus. That's because Jesus lived here. He lived in Peter's house, and this was where he based his ministry. And because of that, this city swarmed with testimonies of healing power, people that were healed because of Jesus' presence in this town. And one of my favorite stories about Jesus' work in Capernaum is in Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 5. The Bible says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And listen to Jesus' instant response. Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. Notice Jesus didn't delay. He didn't say, let me think about it. Hmm, let me see if it's God's will. Jesus said, sick, grievously tormented. That's not right. I'll come, I'll heal him. It is always the will of God to heal. Sickness is evil, and Jesus wants to remove it from your life or from the life of those whom you know that are not feeling too good. It is the will of God to heal that is demonstrated always in the Gospels. But we really see it in the story of the centurion and his servant in Matthew chapter 8. All of that happened right here in Capernaum. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. I'm so glad you joined me for today's program. Today we're going to jump right into the New Testament into Matthew chapter 8, where we're going to look at the healing of the centurion's servant. And you're going to find out the servant was not his servant, it was his son. It is amazing what you're going to see in Scripture today. But I'm speaking to you from my series, which is called the miracles of Jesus Christ. I love this series and I want you to have it. It's 15 parts based on these programs. It comes in multiple formats. The back of the series says, what Jesus did, he still does. And I ask the question, does your heart cry out for Jesus to step out of the pages of the Bible into your life with his miraculous power? In this series, we will transport you into the pages of the New Testament so you will see and hear the miracles of Jesus like you've never experienced them before. And the purpose of this series is not just to give you information. I want you to see Jesus. I want you to hear Jesus and to know Jesus on a level that you've never known him before. We need to know of his miraculous power. And what he did is what he is still doing. That's why the back of the series says, what Jesus did, he still does. And by the way, this comes with a fabulous study guide. Oh my goodness. The study guide is pages and pages of information about the Greek words, the points, the principles, the history, and all these programs. It is just a treasure. Also offering you my book called why we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit because the gifts of the Holy Spirit bring us the miraculous presence of Jesus. And where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not operating, the church suffers a deficit of supernatural power. It's the gifts of the Holy Spirit which actually bring us Jesus' miraculous presence. So when we want to know the miracles of Jesus Christ today, we have to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's a very logical approach 
to why we need spiritual manifestations. Order this. I believe it will make a difference in your spiritual life. And if you need prayer, contact us. We're here for you. We would love to hear from you. In fact, we're waiting to hear from you. We're people of prayer, and we're eager to pray with you right now. But let's jump right into Matthew chapter 8, where we're going to read about the healing of what the Bible calls the centurion's servant. You're going to find out today it was really the centurion's son. There's a reason why they translated it servant, and I'm going to show you today. Let's look at Matthew chapter 8, and we're going to begin in verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. Verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled. The word marveled, the Greek word thamadzo, which means to be at a loss of words. Jesus was stunned by what he heard coming from the mouth of the centurion. Jesus marveled and said to him, and to them that followed him, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not even in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 12, that the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What in the world does that mean? I'm going to tell you. Verse 13, and Jesus said unto the centurion, go thy way. And as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. This story is just packed with insights about the miraculous ministry of Jesus. But let's go back to verse 5 and let's begin there. Get your Bible. I hope you have something to write with because today you're going to want to take notes. Let's begin in verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion. What in the world was a centurion doing in Capernaum? A centurion is a captain or commander of a hundred Roman soldiers. Why were all these soldiers in Capernaum? Capernaum was a very well-to-do town. It was very influential. We've already seen that a very wealthy nobleman lived there. A lot of wealthy people lived there. This was not a poor fishing village. This was a very influential prosperous town, the leading city on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and it was located on the border. So people were all the time coming from the east to enter Galilee, and as they entered, they had to pay taxes. So in Capernaum, there was a very large collection for place for collecting taxes. That's why Matthew was there, the tax collector. That's where Jesus met him. He was serving in the tax collection office there in Capernaum. Lots and lots of money in Capernaum. A lot of foreigners entering Capernaum. We know there was a very large synagogue. It was an international community. It was located on the Via Maris, which was the main highway that went from the north all the way to the south of Israel. This was really an international city, and it needed military protection. So a lot of soldiers were stationed in Capernaum, and now we find one of the soldiers' leaders, a centurion, in this verse, 
comes to Jesus. This was a man with a lot of political power and a lot of military clout. Now he comes to Jesus in verse 5, and the Bible says, There came unto him a centurion beseeching him. Wow, this is amazing, because the word beseeching is the Greek word parakaleo, compound of two words. The word para means to be alongside, and the word kaleo means to call out. But when you compound the two words together, it means to come alongside of someone, para, and kaleo, to call out to them. Here it is translated to beseech. Here the tense describes something progressive and ongoing. This great, powerful man with military clout now came to Jesus, para. He is right alongside of Jesus, kaleo. He's calling out to Jesus. He is pleading to Jesus. The King James Version says he was beseeching him. But in Greek, really, it's a word of prayer. He was praying. He was begging. He was beseeching, really imploring Jesus. This must have been shocking to the people of Capernaum to see a man with so much military might begging Jesus to do something. But when you have a child that's in trouble, you'll do whatever is required to see that child get better. And that's now what we find in these verses. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 6. And saying... And the Greek says, and saying, and saying, and saying, and saying. In other words, this man was really spilling his heart out to Jesus. He was saying and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. First of all, he calls Jesus Lord. That is so important. If you want Jesus to do something miraculous in your life, you have to recognize his mastery and his lordship over your situation. This was a man with money, a man with power. We can be sure he'd already been to the doctors. He had been to the local clinic. No one was able to help. Now he has come to Jesus, and he calls Jesus Lord. In Greek, it is the word kurie, which is a form of the word kurias, which means Lord or Master. He's recognizing Jesus' supreme authority. That's what you need to do for your situation. Jesus is Lord. He is the Master. He can handle anything. And now this centurion calls Jesus Lord. And he said, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Well, the King James Version translates it as the word servant. However, when you read this in Greek, it is the word pious. And anybody who reads Greek will tell you the word pious is not translated servant. The word pious is the Greek word for a little boy or a child. A little translation would be, my little child, probably a little boy. Now, why is that so important? Because Roman soldiers were not married. That was a rule of the Roman army. You could not be married until you finished your military service. How long was military service? 25 years. 25 years. Well, if you were married and you were in military service for 25 years... That means for 25 years, you're going to be distracted by thoughts of your family back home. And Roman soldiers, when they were dispatched, often never returned home for 25 years. When they were dispatched, they were gone a very long time. So there was a rule, you could not be married until after the army. There was another reason for this. In Roman society, in the pagan world, your lineage was very important. Well, if you died on the battlefield, 
it meant you would have no lineage. You would have no inheritors. You would have no offspring. And because soldiers were not allowed to have children until after the military, it meant they were going to fight a lot harder in battle. They wanted to survive so ultimately they could go home, have offspring, and prolong their family name. All of this was very important in the Roman mindset. That means this centurion was not married, and if he had a pice, the Greek word for a child, it means this was an illegitimate child. That is very important in this context, and that's probably why the King James translators translated as the word servant. It is so complicated to translate, but it's really important in the story. This man obviously has an immoral relationship with someone because he's not married according to Roman law. He has a child, which means it is an illegitimate child. Jesus, in this verse, never rebukes him for having an immoral relationship. Jesus never says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You want me to heal your child that is an illegitimate child? This man is a pagan. He lives like a pagan. He's behaving sexually like a pagan. He has a child that is the result of an immoral relationship, but it is his child. He loves his child, whether it's a legal child or not. This man loves his child. And now he has come to Jesus, and Jesus is going to do something for this man. Jesus is going to heal this child. Notice what the Bible says. And saying and saying and saying, Lord, my servant. Now you understand the Greek actually says, my child. My little boy, lieth, lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. The word lieth is a form of the Greek word balo, which means to throw. It means his son has been thrown into bed. His son is down and out. His son cannot get up. And he goes on to explain, sick of the palsy. Sick of the palsy is a Greek word paralutikos, which is really the word to be paralyzed. He's paralyzed. He has lost his ability to function. Something has happened to his muscles or his nerves or his sinews. This man, this young boy has lost his ability to function. Paralutikos, he is paralyzed. That's literally what the Greek means. And he goes on to say, grievously tormented. The word grievously is the Greek word denus. The word denus means to be horribly, horribly tormented, to be terribly tormented. This word grievously, the word denus, is a derivative of the word delos, which is the Greek word for fear. It tells us with this affliction, there was a lot of fear. Fear of the future, fear of whether this child would ever be normal, grievously tormented. You know, when a person is sick, often fear is associated with that sickness. People are afraid. Am I ever going to feel normal again? Am I ever going to have a normal life? There's a lot of fear associated with sickness. And now when the Bible says grievously, terribly, horribly tormented, a lot of fear connected to what they were going through. And the Bible says, grievously tormented. The word tormented, the Greek word basinadzo, which is usually used in the four Gospels to describe people that are grievously vexed by demon spirits. So there may have been demonic activity involved in this child's affliction. This word tormented, the Greek word basinadzo, means to be tormented, to be tortured, this was a torturous thing that this little boy was going through. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. Notice Jesus did not say, what do you mean ask me to help? 
when you're involved in an immoral relationship. What do you mean ask me to help when this is an illegitimate child? Jesus didn't do any of that. Jesus heard that a child was sick. That's wrong. No child should be sick. Jesus heard this child was grievously tormented, tormented, tortured, in a state of fear, horribly, terribly sick. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. I will come. Jesus said, I'll respond. I'm on the way right now. I will come and heal him. The word heal that is used here is the word therapeo, which is the word most frequently used in the Gospels to describe the healing ministry of Jesus. The word therapy comes from this word heal, the Greek word therapeo. It means to release healing power, but to require some kind of corresponding actions. We find this all over the Gospels in the healing ministry of Jesus. For example, if somebody had a withered hand, Jesus didn't just heal them. He required the man with a withered hand to stretch forth his hand. Just like if you go to a physical therapist, the therapist doesn't do everything for you. They require you to exercise or to cooperate. This is a healing power which requires cooperation. If somebody was laying flat on a mat, Jesus would tell them to get up and carry their mat. They had to do something to cooperate with the power of God. And that's the word which now Jesus uses in this verse. I will come, the Greek says, and therapy him. It's the way Jesus healed the majority of people. And then in verse 9, I'm sorry, verse 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. The Greek says, my little boy shall be healed. The word heal, the Greek word eaomai, which means to progressively get better. This tells us where this father was in his faith. He may not have known that something instantaneous could happen. He was just believing that if Jesus would do whatever it is that Jesus does, his little boy, Eomai, would progressively from that moment forward begin to get better. And he said in verse 8 again, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under the roof of my house, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed or my little boy will immediately begin to get better. For I'm a man under authority having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to this servant, do this, and he doeth it. Or the centurion says, Jesus, I understand all about authority. When I speak, people obey. And you don't have to come to my house. If you just speak the healing word, whatever you say, that will take place. This man had amazing faith. He understood spiritual authority, even though he was a pagan. And in fact, Jesus was so stunned by this. Verse 10 says, when Jesus heard it, when he heard what the man said, he marveled. Again, the Greek word thalmazo, he was at a loss of words. He was stunned. He marveled. He wondered. And he said to them that followed. So now Jesus stops to teach. He says to everyone standing by, everybody watching, they're all shocked that the centurion has come to Jesus for help. So a crowd has gathered, and now Jesus is speaking to all them that have gathered, all them that are following. And Jesus says, verily, the Greek says, amen. Verily, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. When Jesus says, I've not found, it is a Greek word, hurisco, 
which means to make a discovery as a result of a scientific investigation. It means in all of Israel, Jesus had been looking for amazing faith and he had not found it. He had been searching, he had been studying, looking for real high quality faith and finally he finds it and it's not even among the people of Israel. It's coming from the mouth of a Roman military man. And Jesus said, I've not found such great faith. The Greek says, such faith. He's talking about the quality of the man's faith. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 12, now here's this amazing statement. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What in the world does that mean? Well, in the ancient world, large cities had very tall protective walls. And often they would dump their garbage and their unused food over the top of those walls. During the night, when it was dark, the lions would come. And the lions would pillage through the garbage looking for something to eat. Well, back in those days, city authorities believed that if you were not proven guilty of a crime, then there's something they could do to determine whether or not you were guilty. They would tie you up and they would put you outside the city walls. It was called outer darkness. And they would leave you there. And they believed that if you survived the lions and were still alive the next morning, then you were not guilty. That's the way they would prove whether you were guilty or not guilty. The problem is the next morning when they went out to find the victim, even if he survived the lions, his teeth were totally ground away because he had been so stricken with fear because of the lions that were prowling nearby. These people were put into outer darkness, torment, where they literally had weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus, by using this phrase, was saying, people are going to miss a lot of opportunities because they don't believe. There's going to be a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth when people realize what they could have had and they missed because they would not believe. People in Israel, people in the kingdom, people who should know better, people who should know how to use their faith. Wow, they may get through life, but they're going to miss so much because they never really used their faith. That's really what he's teaching here. Then the Bible tells us in verse 13, Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way. As thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. When he says, go thy way, the Greek word hoop agates, very interesting. It means go under authority. This was a man who understood authority. Go thy way in Greek means go under authority. Jesus says to him, I've spoken the word. It's taken care of. You can now go under authority knowing everything is taken care of. And it will be unto you as thou hast believed. And his servant was healed. The Greek says, pice. His little boy was healed in that self-same hour. In that very moment when this powerful man believed Jesus, healing came to his house. And that's what will happen to you if you will believe what Jesus says and if you'll go under his word of authority. We're out of time, but I'll be back in just a moment and I'm going to pray for you. How do you read the Gospels? Does Jesus come alive? Do His words and miracles have meaning in your daily life? In the Miracles of Jesus Christ teaching series, Rick Renner transports you to first century Israel so you can see, hear, and experience the miracles and healings of Jesus as you've never known them before. 
you'll dive deep into the New Testament and see Christ's present-day miraculous power with a fresh and new perspective. In this 15-part teaching series, starting at just $24, you'll learn and know the miraculous power of Christ that will forever change your perspective on our wonderful healing Savior. In addition to the teaching series, you can also receive the book, Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit, available for just $10. When you get this book today, you'll discover how the Holy Spirit can work powerfully in your life and the lives of those around you. Don't miss this special offer, The Miracles of Jesus, and or the book, Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Call now or go to renner.org to order. Get these two powerful resources today. My friend, we need your help because our ministry is really growing. God has graciously entrusted to us the responsibility to bring teaching of the Bible to people all over the world. And people are tuning in because they feel they have found teaching they can trust. People reaching out to us for spiritual support and requesting our resources, many of which we send for free. We're doing everything we can to really reach out and strengthen people's lives. But the ministry is growing. Our Tulsa office has become insufficient. We've outgrown it. We have no room for storage. People are literally sitting all over the building. And our Moscow studio is so small for what we need because now we are doing five to seven live programs a day in multiple languages. And right now we're already in the process of building a new studio in Moscow. If you would go online, they're on our homepage, you'll see a link where you can read about all that we're doing in our ministry in this expansion project and how you can participate. And my friend, you really will be making a difference in somebody else's life. Today, we're studying the story of the centurion whose little boy was healed when he came to Jesus and asked for help. And I want to read to you again from Matthew chapter 8, verse 13. And Jesus said unto the centurion, go thy way. That word go in Greek is so important. The Greek word hupage. It means go under authority. This man came to Jesus, recognizing Jesus' authority. He even called Jesus Lord. And now Jesus says to the man, you've come under my authority. Now I'm going to send you away under the power of my word, under the authority of my command. Go your way. It's going to be to you exactly as you have believed. And the man left operating under the word of Jesus, operating under the authority of Jesus, and the Bible says, and his child, that's what the Greek says, not servant, child. His child was healed in the self-same hour. What the man believed is what took place. It is so important that when you consider the miraculous ministry of Jesus, you have to respond to what Jesus says. You cannot argue with Jesus. If Jesus says something, do it. If Jesus tells you to believe something, believe it. You've got to embrace it. When you embrace the words of Jesus, it ignites the power of God. That's what you need to do. Wow, this is so important. By the way, I'm speaking to you from my book called Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit and from my series, which is called The Miracles of Jesus Christ. Order both of these. They are just amazing treasures. They will really help your life spiritually. But I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, your word has authority. And today I pray for my friend, 
that my friend would function and operate under your authoritative word, believing you and not arguing, and that your miraculous power would be released to meet their need in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Thanks for being with me. Remember Ecclesiastes 8.4. It says, where the word of a king is, there is power and it's true. So let God's word release its power in your life today. And I'll see you in the next program.